the 39th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. This week, we've invited Andre Fuich to talk with us. Andre is the Executive Vice President and CTO of AT&T. Andre, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Don. So... The hottest topic in wireless over the last couple of years is ORAN. Can you talk with us a little bit about AT&T's perspective on ORAN? Absolutely. So ORAN, as uh, most folks who are listening to this probably know what it stands for. It's the Open Radio Access Network. And what we've done over the last couple of years is actually formed a consortium of all the top global operators to basically drive a whole new approach into the RAN space. And really, it's it takes after uh, an open approach. And part of the motivation here was really a, to find a new way to disrupt the RAN since it's been traditionally a very proprietary and, and locked-in technology space for, for many, many decades. So this is our attempt to uh, really open it up and get more disruptors involved and, and lower the entry barrier to get more innovation driven into the RAN. Obviously, the RAN, you know, when you hear about 5G, that's really what the RAN's all about. And so we've got a very successful alliance built here, and we're making some really good progress, which uh, I think we'll talk more about here. Yeah. So when I look at OpenRAN and, and like the, the the leadership that AT&T has shown by starting it, I think it, it builds also on another really big initiative that that you were a key part of, and that's ONAP. Does that work together in a way? And, and how is that work? It's all open, right? Yeah, that's right. So as you mentioned, ONAP is really a an open sourced orchestration management layer suited for telecom operators, again, around the world. And this was another initiative that AT&T spearheaded several years ago. And what we've done is to make sure that everything that we do in the open space has interoperability with each other. And so operators have the option to adopt ONAP if they choose, or they can go with really any uh, vendor supply proprietary solution as well to basically tap in and start using ONAP to manage and operate not just their RAN network, but also all of their transport, as well as their routing and switching infrastructures. So it's a very versatile platform, and we're big proponents of open source. We think that's the best way to, to innovate these days. And uh, ONAP is also another very successful program that's out there. But it is independent of ORAN, so I don't try yeah, to, no, no. I don't want to confuse the two. Yeah, and so where would you say that OpenRAN will first make its entry with AT&T? Yeah, so first let me say, as I mentioned, there are many operators already trialing in, in various different parts. So we're all, the operators are all kind of taking different, uh, starting in different points. And with respect to AT&T, 
you know, there's all kinds of different deployments out there. You know, when we we talk about different scenarios, there's indoor, outdoor, macro, small cell, sub six millimeter wave. And I would tell you, when I look at the global space, everyone's kind of approaching it in, in different ways. For us, we're taking more of a, a phased approach here. We're starting off first with indoor, in-building deployments for the main reason that typically has the least amount of complexity. This is a, a space where we're dealing with lower bands and a lot more, a more controlled environment. And so those are, those are our first implementations here will be indoor and building. The next phase is really to take this then to the macro, but even the macro we have subphases. So for example, we'll be first implementing this more in rural type deployments, macro deployments. Again, the reason here is it's it's simpler. You have simpler, you know, you have fewer bands, uh, band configurations you have to deal with. And then over time, we will evolve it to take on the more complex mac macro scenarios that we have in suburban and urban areas. And part of this, too, is, you know, it's not like we're starting with the greenfield network here. You know, we, we've got a very extensive yeah. network in play that has a lot of proprietary technology in service today. So we have to blend this and introduce ORAN in incremental modules. And so we want to make sure that as we pivot from sort of these indoor small cell type arrangements to more macro, larger space areas that we've got the right blending so that the production deployments are as successful as possible. Yeah, and especially when, when you start with indoors, there's a, you know, 10 dB drop between indoor and outdoor, and that probably allows you to have essentially two networks that, that are next to each other, bleed a little bit into each other, but work quite, quite successfully. That's right. That, absolutely. And as you said, there's the, there's, they're overlapping, but it's also, think of it as a fallback as well. So if you have issues, you can always sort of fall back onto the outdoor network, so to speak. And in rural, it's quite interesting. How are you going to deal with the distant issue, especially around the, 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 the DU? Yeah. So again, as, as we see the maturity of ORAN, and as we obviously are looking towards utilizing some of the new mid-band spectrum that we've obviously picked up in a recent auction, and as we're looking at how we deploy that technology based on that particular rural area and then the radios that we're implementing, you know, there's still a lot to be uh, figured out here in that. Mm -hmm. But absolutely what we want to do, as I said earlier, in that macro sense is make sure that that blending of proprietary and with the open, because it isn't just a full, you know, you don't just go full open. There's You're going to be in the hybrid situation for some time. We got to make sure that, that all that interoperability and all that testing works seamlessly. It's going to take some time. 
you know, I don't want to say it's too far out there, but I would tell you uh, there's a lot of effort here, especially as we're gearing up to get ready to uh, deploy C-band. Yeah, and, and you made a press release that you're working with Nokia, right? That's um, right. That's right. You know, I want to be clear. All our RAN providers were working. It's a it's a requirement to adopt the ORAN specification. So this isn't just with one of them. It's with all of the ones we work with. Oh, great. So, yeah, there are no laggards then, right? Oh. That's right. That's right. That was one of the hard requirements uh, going in um, is to really push the supply chain to adopt the ORAN specifications. And as, as part of the, the, the move to, to ORAN, does that, you know, coming back to the core, how does that work with the move towards standalone 5G core architecture? Does it work concurrently or how will it transition? And I don't know if you can talk about it already when. Yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot of aspects when we talk about our non-standalone versus our standalone core networks. And as as I noted before, it's everything's an evolution here, right? There there aren't flash cuts here. When you talk about also shifting, obviously we we've got a, a fairly robust non-standalone network uh, in place now that's got all of our 5G users taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. And we're also in the process of implementing our standalone core as well. When you're talking about the network, you know, there's really the core network, there's, of course, the RAN, and then there are also, equally importantly, the devices. And yep. all of this is a bit of a balancing act that you have to go through. But to keep it simple here, the network and devices have to evolve together. So right now, on the network side, we expect to have our network capable of supporting standalone here on a fairly broad basis by the end of the year. And we will also, as we're you know adopting new devices now and have been, it'll be some time before the device ecosystem can fully convert to support standalone. And so we will have to be in a mode where we support both dual stacks, yep. meaning both non-standalone and standalone. And as you know, Roger, the early devices that are out there, they already support, and these are, again, I should say early, these are the higher tiered, higher end type devices that come out last year. These support standalone today, but the issue is they don't support carrier aggregation. And so this is where, you know, again, a little complexity here where the RAN comes in because now carrier aggregation is about sort of what what bands can you sort of pair and bond together, right, to get the right balance of, of speed and latency. Today, you'll see devices being deployed that are have both standalone and carrier aggregation capabilities that can be turned on when it's needed. Uh, so there's balancing that and managing that as you go through the evolution here. And then part of the beauty of this, this core network is actually all virtualized. So the beauty of this is it's all running on common infrastructure. 
So even though we're going to be in this hybrid world of a non having a non-standalone core and a standalone core, we will have the ability to elastically grow and ramp up standalone. And over time, as we see device migrations and subscribers adopt new devices and stop using the older ones, we can then elastically ramp down the non-standalone network over time. And so that's a bit of the beauty here of the architecture is the sort of the virtual nature of it, if you will, that allows us a, a tremendous amount of flexibility. Yeah, and you are further ahead with the virtualized RAN than than any other provider in 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 the U.S. And you know, some some other providers are pointing out that they have standalone and have launched it already, but only in one band, right? That's and, right. And, and, that's, the, and that's that point I made earlier. It's because the devices don't support carrier aggregation yet. We're waiting on those features to be enabled. And then, of course, you know, the, the art in this is, you know, when do you turn these things on at the right time? And then, of course, as you know, depending on how, where geographically you're being served, you know, you have all these different combinations of band supports that you'll have to manage. And so this is pretty complex. At the end of the day, the priority is customer experience. So we got to make sure that we all of these scenarios are well tested so that we can deliver the best experience possible. Yeah, and especially with OpenRAN, it allows you to bring in, you mentioned complexity, it allows you to bring in more, more different vendors, right? And right. That, that was the, you know, exactly the one of the primary motivations for pushing open RAN into the network was, again, as I said at the beginning, was to really disrupt the incumbent technology and vendor lock-in that's been out there and to bring in new technology, not just new hardware components that we can interoperate together, but also open up some of the software capabilities that the RAN relies on. For example, we've got some great success here around the, the RIC, the real-time intelligent controller. We want to be in a position here to allow sort of third-party software to take advantage of enabling us to basically get better utilization out of our RAN assets, but also drive new and different and better experiences with those assets. And so, again, that's another big motivation behind the ORAN alliance. And and it lets you switch out different vendors much more quickly. You can run one configuration in one market, another configuration in another market, and a third one. In the third market, you can see in a real network how it performs and then quickly load up a different configuration or switch out the vendor if if it doesn't make sense. Exactly. Gives us optionality. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, every operator out there is looking at use, utilizing ORAN probably in a different way. Some may prefer to stick to a single vendor solution, but making sure that 
you know, to keep them honest, that they're adhering to the ORAN interfaces, while others will mix and match, as you described. And also, as you mentioned, deploy or configure it in different geographies in different ways. So there's a tremendous amount of flexibility and optionality with the architecture. Well, Andre, thank you very much for taking the time and, and giving us an, a, a great overview of ORAN and, and what AT&T is, is doing in this area. Thank you, Andre. Absolutely, anytime, Roger.